Thanks, man. Hey, Etu, um, I just wanted to echo what Grant said before when you read that. Yeah, Etu, stand up, sorry. Um, what Grant said before about God's got you. So um, maybe go and find a few people and say kia ora, or uh, buenos dias, or malo, or konnichiwa, whatever you want to say. Um, and, then, and then say to them, God's got you, okay? God's got you. So go and find a few people, say kia ora. Konnichiwa. <laughs> Is that to, to speed? It means... Vamanos. Um, oh, I looked it up. I got to breathe. It means... Alrighty. Kia ora. E nohoa. Enoho, have a sea day. What? Enoho. Be seated. I don't know. Good to see you, eh? Cool. Hey, a um, couple of intro comments as we get into this. This is the second to last in our spiritual gift series, which has been going for like the whole year, and it feels like, oh my gosh. So next, uh, so we've got today, and then next Sunday, and then we're into Easter. So um, we thought it'd be really cool to do a, a a good Old Testament book, because this has felt a little bit topical and like um, all over the place, so we want to do that. So Esther's coming up. So I'd strongly encourage you um, to read through Esther. It's like one of the funniest books in the Bible, because when you get to the end with Haman on the pole and Mordecai and everything, it's just the other day I was reading it laughing, and Joe came into the room, and she was like, what are you laughing at? Are you, you, know, are you on YouTube? And I was like, no, I'm reading the Bible of all things. It's like, what? It's so cool. So I'd strongly encourage you, I just start reading Esther. It's only 10 chapters. Tina was saying you can read it in like 25 minutes or something, so 25? Yeah, well, Tina can. The rest of us will be an hour, but whatever. That will good. Tina's brain is ginormous. Hey, and thanks for some encouraging feedback. So this, these last few sermons have been pretty hard to prepare. Today's was real hard work, and it was just really cool this week. I had some texts from people and some emails from people just saying, hey, loving the series. This has been real helpful. Uh, all this spiritual gifting stuff, so it's kind of cool. Hey, and today, a bit of a, like, if you're a visitor, I kind of apologize, but I don't, because it's the Bible, but the sermon today is pretty heavy, like, there's a lot of Bible in it, which hopefully you're like, that's a good thing, right? Um, because we're looking at the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues, which is one that, I think this is one of the ones, and I say this real carefully, that a lot of people misunderstand, and a lot of churches do real badly, and so I want to read a ton of verses so that we can be like, ooh, we can see what the Bible really clearly sees instead of me kind of rambling on, so I kind of don't apologize that we're going to read heaps of verses. Um, but a bit of an intro thing. So I recently joined a gym, right? And it's been great for heaps of you coming and saying, Craig, you're looking extra buff lately, so thanks. No, no one said that, which is pretty hurtful, but it's okay. Um, so I recently joined a gym. So when we used to live in the middle of nowhere, I had like some weights and bits and pieces in the garage, but now we're moving into town. Don't have a garage, don't even have like a manly shed, which is quite a concern because I don't know where I'll do all my manly stuff, like drill things and hammer things and all that manly stuff we do. Um, and so I was like, man, where am I going to go and work out? And so I joined a gym over in Hamilton East, which I'm just loving. And one of the things that I find, and this is a bit of a judgy like illustration, so feel free to just be like, if you want, right? Um, I find it really funny. So I go to the gym and just do all the normal stuff, like, you know, 
curly things and leggy things and bench pressy stuff and all the just the normal stuff. Every now and then I do a deadlift so I can pretend to be like Mikey, you know, Michael Seville? Like, I now am up to a quarter of what he deadlifts. And I'm like, I got some pythons going on, but he's just crazy. So um, to do a bit of deadlift and stuff. But there's these guys, this is the judgy part. There's some guys at the gym who are buff as. So let me say that. Their body's amazing, right? But they're there with these, there's this one guy with the tiniest weight you can get. It's like two kgs or something. And he was there the other day, like, just, <laughs> just watching, like, every muscle like this. And I was like, really? And then there was a guy on the leg pressy thing with these really low weights, and he was doing it on the side, doing it here, and he's just focused on his leg, watching every little muscle. And I was just like judging them. <laughs> like, really? What are you doing? Like, let's just focus on the big, serious stuff and whatever. So crazy illustration to say, this is one of the things I love about the church, right? The church is a group of diverse, awesome, slightly crazy people. <laughs> and some of us are over here focusing on things. Some of us are over here focusing on other little weights and things, but the thing that keeps us all together is the main stuff, right? All those guys were still doing bench press and deadlift, same, all the, the core things. But there's different flavors, there's different bits that we do over here, there's different bits that we do over here. And one of the things I love so much about our church is that we agree on the essentials, the core of our faith, all that salvation stuff, right? Deity of Christ, the virgin birth, the eternity of God, blah, 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 those real core essential ones. But within that, and within a community like this, there's always going to be people that are doing little bits over here. Not essentials of our faith. They're still important, real real important to understand where you, where you sit on these things, what you believe. But they're going, well, I'm over here doing this little weight, and someone's over here doing this little weight. We're not going to lose the plot and throw our toys out, right? The, the core is what holds us together. And that's something I love about this church. I met with someone this week who I won't mention, and they really disagree with some of the stuff in our church. Some of the, again, these little weight things, right? But they're just pumped to be part of the gym. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They're just pumped to be with us all, working out, growing in their faith, serving the church. And I was just like, man, that is so cool. So again, uh, as a, an eldership, one of the things we want to say is, man, we love you and we love talking. So <laughs> if there's anything we ever do at church or talk about at church that, that you're confused on or disagree with, come and chat. So that's where I just thought it was so cool this week. This, this person contacted me and we're like, man, I'm real lost now on this, all the spiritual gifts. And so we just had a coffee and talked and like pulled verses apart. And it was really cool. So, so to me, the cool thing is to, to focus on that core stuff. We need to know where we, where we sit, where we stand on all, that, all these extra bits. But the core is what keeps us together, right? The core is us. We're all in this gym together working out, right? Um, I put down here, and I say this real carefully. I, I really do think sometimes Satan sits back and just goes, whoa, you crazy Christians are spending so much time arguing over these minor things while meanwhile your neighbors are going to hell. And I'm like, man, that's a scary thing to think about, right? Sometimes we're so busy arguing over all the finer bits that, that we forget the main thing, which is helping people move from darkness to the kingdom of the son he loves, Paul says, right? Um, helping people grow and build in their faith. We need to know all these, these little bits, but focus on the core, so all good. Alrighty. Hey, so um, today, yeah, tongues and interpretation of tongues. So um, the, I'm pretty excited because this is quite a massive one. And um, yeah, and I, I did a lot of emailing backwards and forwards with Tina this week. So a special shout out to Tina. Super helpful just wrestling with different bits and pieces. So Tina's brain is ginormous, right? So if most of us put all our brains together into one massive brain, it would still not be as big as Tina's brain, right? Um, so here's the definitions. That was kind of a joke, but everyone looked at me like, yeah, it's true. And I was like, wow, okay. 
<laughs> no, Tina's awesome. Um, tongues. So these are the, the definitions from our little workbook thing. Uh, tongues, so to speak in a language not previously learned, so unbelievers can hear God's message in their own language, um, or the body be edified. So there's two parts of that, and we'll pull this apart as we look at the verses. Interpretation of tra- tongues, pretty simple way to translate the message of someone who's spoken in tongues, so pretty simple to understand, I think. Um, so the first thing I want to do is go through just some verses. So this first one's First Corinthians 12, and this is the one we've been going through each time, just where we see uh, Paul mention the gifts kind of in order. So First um, Corinthians 12, verse 10. This is the first half. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. So I've already talked about all those gifts. And then the second half of the verse says, still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to to interpret what is said. So again, pretty simple, um, maybe a little vague, which I find really interesting, because then Paul's going to go into 1 Corinthians 14, and he's going to spend an entire chapter, and Paul obviously didn't write chapters, but he's going to spend a whole chunk explaining what the gift of tongues means, which is real interesting, because he doesn't do that with any of the other gifts, right? This one, he's like, you guys really need to understand this. And and I think the Corinthian church was using it very badly. But I just find it real interesting that he spends so much time kind of unpacking it and explaining it. So um, if we had time to read the whole of 1 Corinthians 14, that would be super cool. But I was like, oh, it's long and there's bits that I think will be confusing. So we're going to kind of jump around, but we'll end up reading just about the whole chapter by the end of it. So um, I put the first four verses on the screen because to me, these are real crucial because they kind of establish where Paul's going to go. So Here's 1 Corinthians 14, um, this is verse 1. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. So one of the things you're going to see in this chapter is that Paul, it's real, I just find this really funny. It's like he goes like this. It's like he goes, tongues is awesome, but it's really confusing. And so the best one is prophecy. Tongues is good. But prophecy is really cool because when someone speaks a word of prophecy, like that direct message from God, you can hear them and you understand them and you're like, yes. But with tongues, there's someone speaking and you're like, what are they saying? And then there's an interpretation. He's like, no, but he's like, it's really good. But prophecy, I love prophecy. It's gonna, you'll see it as we go through the verses. Um, the other thing I love is the beginning. Eh? Let love be your highest goal. So you guys know the Bible. He's just spent an entire chapter, chapter 13, talking about love as the core of everything, right? And I just love that. And to me, that goes back to my crazy gym illustration at the beginning. The core of what we do here is we love each other. We love all these people that don't know Jesus yet. We want to see them drawn in, right? We love one another. That's the core. And we don't want to get caught up in arguing over all the crazy side things, right? Okay, and then verse 2, and this is where he starts to really explain it. And this verse is just wild. I love this. Um, For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious, um, wild. So jump over to Acts 2, because I want to show you a shade of um, this gift. So like all the gifts have different shades, right? It's kind of obvious. So, for example, the gift of hospitality. There's heaps of people in our church that have the gift of hospitality. But it's quite different for different people. So some people have the gift of hospitality, and they just love having people into their house. Whereas there's other people who have the gift of hospitality, and they're like, I don't want weirdos coming to my house, but man, I will cook everyone a meal. I just love it. That's the different thing. There's people who have the gift of helps. And some people are like, man, moving, that is me. There's one guy I won't mention because I didn't ask if I could. I call him the Tetris master. So when we've moved people in the church, he's the guy that goes into the, the, the truck or into the, 
the um, trailer and is just like, put this, put this, and it's just like, how does he fit the entire house into this tiny, you know, um, gift of helps, and that's, but then someone else will be like, I got the gift of helps, but I don't want to help people move, that's horrible, but man, if I could go and paint something or do it, do you know what I mean? There's, there's always varieties of, of the gift, shades of the gift, um, and, and that's what you see in this verse 2, right? And I love this. So Acts 2, um, this is one shade, if you like, uh, of this. What are we going to read? I'm just going to read verses 5 to 8. So most of you know this really well. Um, this is kind of cool. So verse 5 says, At that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, which was the Holy Spirit coming on uh, the original disciples here, um, verse 6, everyone came running, and they were bewildered, and this is the crazy bit, they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and, and this is the key, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. So one time, and so the, this native languages, the word he uses there is the same word that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14. So most people put these together and say, oh, this is obviously just one gift and this is one shade of it. So the cool thing you see in um, Acts here is that, and it, just to explain it, right, the disciples are most probably speaking Aramaic. They might be speaking Greek, but it's most probably they're speaking Aramaic. And what it says is the people hear them speaking in their own language. So they're speaking Aramaic. And they, I don't know what the Aramaic word for hello is, but whatever that word is. And then everyone hears them saying, Malo, or you know what I mean? Or kia ora, or hello, whatever. And it's like, whoa, they're saying one thing, but everyone's hearing a different language. Does it make sense, are you with me? Pretty simple. Shot team, love the feedback in this church. It's just awesome. No, no, you're good. Um, so that's what, that's what they hear there. So a different shade though here, and this is real different. So that's why I wanted to look at those verses. So they actually hear the language, right? But when you look at this verse, it's real different. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God. So it's obviously different, right? Because there they were speaking to people. Next bit says, since people won't be able to understand you. So it's like, what? So they're definitely talking to God. It's different now. Um, the people don't understand, whereas there they're understood. And then in the end, you'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it'll be all mysterious. So we need to unpack. What does that mean? So we'll come back and do that in a second. Okay, so verse 3. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. That's real interesting. We need to figure out what does that mean, that they're strengthened personally. Um, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. Okay, so I've got four little points that I've been um, pulling apart this week, and the elders and I were kind of going over these. Is this cool? And again, Tina was super helpful. So um, here's the first one. I, I, I think these are pretty simple, right? And we'll look at a lot of verses. So here's the first one. Tongues can be both a known language, unknown to the speaker, and an unknown language, right? So tongues can be a known language, unknown to the speaker, and an unknown language. So the, the easy way to see that is in Acts 2. So in Acts 2, it's obviously a language that the speaker didn't know, unknown to them, but it was an actual language. And so people heard it, and they're like, oh, he's speaking whatever. Oh, he's speaking what They heard it in actual languages, right? But it can also be an unknown language, which is what we saw in verse 2. So let me read um, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2 again. Oops. Like I said, I just really want to be able to see all this from the Bible. So verse 2. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, or this gift to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God. People won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it'll be mysterious. So 
very different from Acts. And like I said, it's just a different shade of this. So a couple of examples of where these kind of different shades have been. So first of all, um, heaps of you have told me as you knew this tongue zone was coming up. And so I sat down with Victoria to hear it straight from the Colombian's mouth. I don't know if I can say that. I was going to say the horse's mouth. And I was like, oh, that's a bit rude. Victoria's not a horse, the Colombian's mouth. Um, so heaps of you have told me that um, back in the day, Campbell was teaching in the cafe. And he was teaching a bunch of Spanish-speaking ladies who knew no English. And there was translation happening. And then all of a sudden, they just said, you don't need to translate anymore. We now fully understand them. And it's just kind of like, whoa, that's God stuff, right? That's God stuff. So to me, this is kind of on that X2 kind of way, right? Where they're speaking one thing and people are hearing. Now, the difference, though, in X2, it says they heard them in their own language, Whereas when I spoke to Victoria, she said they didn't hear Campbell speaking Spanish. They just knew what he was saying, which I'm just like, man, that's wild, right? It's like another shade of this whole gift. I just find that fascinating. No, people are freaking looking at me freaking. I just think that's like, man, go God, that's amazing. So I was talking to one of us um, this week about this gift, and they said the same things happened to them. So they were, I'm not, I haven't asked them if I could share their name, so I'll kind of hide it a little bit. Um, so they were at a place and someone was speaking in another language, and all of a sudden they knew what the person was saying. Again, they didn't hear them speaking in English, but they totally knew what the person was saying, and they were just like, whoa, <laughs> thank you, God, this is amazing. So you see this kind of, and I've heard that because I've traveled around different churches, and I've heard it, and I'm sure heaps of you have heard it at different times, where God just for some reason does this. And I'm like, why doesn't God do this all the time, right? And it's like, that's just how God does it. Why doesn't, when someone has the gift of, being an evangelist, how come when they preach, doesn't everyone get saved? It's like, that's just not how God does it. God chooses when to bless and when to, to use these gifts, which is frustrating, but it's really awesome, right? Um, a different way that we've seen it done, or Joseph and I have seen it done, so this is more um, the First Corinthians 14, and I thought this was super biblical. So we used to go to a church in Te Araha, a Baptist church over in Te Araha, and real cool church. And they did a lot of Pentecostal stuff, but really biblically, which I've just never seen before. And so with the speaking in tongues one, they were very careful to allow people to speak out in public. So there'd often be people just praying quietly or singing quietly in the Spirit, and we'll, we'll read um, some verses where Paul talks about that. But occasionally, and not a lot, someone during the service, usually during the, the sung worship time, someone would just feel like God had given them a message and they would speak in tongues. And it's like I've said, an unknown language. You saw that in verse 2, right? It's to God. Wouldn't understand. And what the pastor would do, he always carried a recorder with him, which was really cool. And as soon as someone did this in a public way, he'd start recording. And he'd be recording it. And then the band, he'd say, hey, just keep on playing, team. And hey, we just need to wait on an interpretation now, which is what we're going to see Paul say real clearly here. And so he'd say, we're just going to wait on the interpretation. If God's bringing us a message, someone will have the gift of interpretation. We just need to listen for him. And sometimes we'd wait like four or five minutes. And the first time it happened, I was like, this is so biblical. I am going crazy because that's exactly what Paul says to do. And so we're just waiting. The band's singing. He keeps saying, we're just going to wait on the Lord who's recording this, this whole time. So I need water. Um, and then after like, I don't know, three, four, five minutes or whatever, um, it was real funny because the first time then someone just suddenly went, oh, it's me. I know what he said. And it was real funny. And they were like, oh, my gosh. And then they just gave this like, and it wasn't the like, God's going to bless the church or Jesus loves you or some real generic thing. It was this real specific message for the church. 
at that time, again, he's recording, the pastor's recording all this, and then what he did, and this is where I was like, wow, this is very cool. Then what he did is he said he probably listened to that recording 10, 15 times during the week, sent it to all the elders, and then him and the elders met and prayed and studied that during that week, and then not always, but a bunch of times then the next Sunday, he'd say, hey, we're jumping out of the series for this Sunday because we believe God gave us a message through that person, and so I'm going to preach um, on that message. Not always, sometimes that would happen, and then you just wouldn't hear anything else, and so either that was because it was for someone just in the church, or the elders had studied it and thought, no, that's just not where we're going, I don't know. It's cool. So I thought, wow, that's so such a cool biblical way to, to do it. So anyway, that's the first one. Tongues can be a known language unknown to the speaker, Acts 2, or an unknown language, which you see in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, pretty clearly. All right, so second one here, second point. Um, Like all spiritual gifts, there is a blessing to the one using the gift, but that's not the primary purpose. So this is one that I've wrestled with a lot this week to try and understand. This is where Tina was really helpful, and we we were sending these giant emails, and we were replying to each other using different colors. You know how you go down in emails? And then Tina replied at one point, she's like, I think we're just about running out of colors, and the email is getting like crazy long. But it was good. We were just wrestling away with these. One of the things I find really hard to understand in this is gifts are given to build up the church, right? That's real clear. Paul sees that. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. He says it um, Ephesians 4, 11, and what, 13, 14, 15, he talks about gifts are given to build up the church. That is their primary purpose. Their primary purpose, purpose is not to bless the individual. And I've, I've talked heaps about that, right? So then when we come to verse 4, and I'll read it again, it's kind of like, hmm, this is really interesting. Where did verse 4 go? A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. And so I I had wrestled with this a lot. And and kind of where I've landed is that tongues is, and and feel free to keep, you know, reading the Bible and come and saying, hey, I think this, and I'd love to keep learning, right? One of the things I think I've figured out um, is tongues is quite a different gift to the other ones in the sense that it's like a double gift gift, right? So someone has to have the gift of tongues, and someone else has to have the gift of interpretation. It might be the same person. Paul sees that in here. If you have the gift of tongues, you should be praying for the gift of interpretation. But sometimes it's two separate gifts. And so the person, who, and he, he's going to say this part a lot, the person who speaks in tongues in a public setting, which we need to talk a lot about, um, th- there's really no benefit for the church, because you just hear them speaking, and you're like, I have no idea what they just said, Right? But then when that person interprets it, that's where the church is blessed through it, right? And so what Paul seems to say here, and he's going to say it a couple more times later on in the chapter that we'll read in a minute, there's always a blessing for anyone who uses their gift, right? Always a blessing. But with the gift of tongues, it seems like there's a special blessing for someone who, who prays quietly in tongues. And he, he's going to say this a bunch. So different to other gifts. I can't use helps by myself. I've got to be helping someone. I can't use the gift of hospitality, although I'd love to, just cook giant meals for myself. For myself, it's to bless others, right? But there seems to be a a different aspect to the gift of tongues where there's a real blessing for myself, right? Which I just find real interesting. But I don't think that's the primary reason because the primary reason for all these gifts is to bless the church. So here's an illustration. This is a pathetic illustration, but it's the best I could come up with, right? So gardening, right? So some of you, I, to me, gardening is best done with Roundup and a ride-on lawnmower, right? Um, <laughs> just disastrous. Moving to town, we've got like a tiny section, but I'll round, round up everything I can. Um, but some of you love to garden, and you love to grow vegetables and flowers. I don't even get why anyone grows flowers, but it's awesome. Go, Jesus. 
Sorry, I shouldn't be rude. Flowers are fantastic, man. They're just so beautiful. Um, but the, the primary purpose in, in you doing that is to grow vegetables, and you just want to have the biggest kumara on the block, you know? And you just want to have carrots that everyone is like, shut up. How did you grow that carrot? You're amazing. Give me your secret. And you're like, no. Um, or you're flowers. You're just like, you want to grow a garden that you look out the window and you're like, that is beautiful. Or better, friends to come around and be jealous of how amazing your garden is because it makes their garden look stink, right? That's the truth. I know, you guys. Nah. Um, that's the primary purpose, right? To, to grow beautiful flowers, to grow um, vegetables or fruit or whatever. But behind that, there's joy in doing that. Um, otherwise, you're nuts, right? There's real joy in going out into the garden in the morning, and it's a beautiful day, and you're in the earth of the world, you know, whatever. I've heard people say that weird thing. Um, you're digging garden things, weeding and spraying, and I don't know what you're doing, pruning and all this kind of gardening stuff. There's real joy in that. You find real fulfillment in that. And I've got friends who garden, and they'll come in from gardening, and they're just like, ah, oh, because it was a cool time. They really enjoyed it. But that's not the primary benefit. The primary benefit was say your neighbours come around and they're jealous of your giant kumara and your beautiful flower. You know what I mean, right? To have these beautiful things. And I wonder if it's kind of like this. The primary purpose of the gift of tongues is always to bless the church. That's gifts. But Paul's saying there's just a huge blessing for the person who has this gift, right? That seems to be what he's saying um, in verse 14. Okay, so that's the... The second point. And another part to that too, and this is experience-based, which we've always got to be real careful because we want to base everything in Scripture, not in experience. But one of the things I've found interesting is I've got a number of, um, I'm sure like you too, a number of really good Christian friends who um, are very strong Christians. And they've, they've said to me a bunch of times, their most deep times of connection and worship with the Lord is when they're just quietly speaking in tongues, right? So there's public, which we'll talk about, but what Paul seems to be saying here, and he's going to say at the end of the chapter, is that there's also a place for people who are quietly speaking in tongues or singing in tongues, we'll say as well. And I'm just quietly, not for other people at all. Um, and so there's some people in our church that you probably don't even know, but they regularly, during the, the sung worship, they're regularly just quietly praying to God in tongues. It's an unknown language, and they're just feeling so connected to God. Um, I have a good friend who's a pastor, and he says a number of times he'll be in his office just studying and wrestling with Scripture, and then he just feels the Spirit come, and he'll just quietly, just no one around, just speak in tongues, and he goes, oh, those are my best times with God. And he's legit, and I'm just like, oh, man, this wrestles with my head. Okay, so that's the first two points. Okay, here's number three. Um, oh, it's gone crazy. Are you, I'll just read it. It's gone crazy. Um, unless someone interprets it, this gift can make Christianity seem crazy to a non-Christian, right? So unless someone interprets it, this gift can, um, can make Christianity seem crazy, and so can my PowerPoint. Hey, so I want to read a whole bunch of verses here, so five and six. Um, so we've read the first four, and we'll jump around a bit. I wish you could all speak in tongues. Interesting Paul says that, eh? Uh, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues, and here's the catch unless someone interprets what you're saying. So the whole church will be strengthened. So it's pretty, pretty easy to understand. And go down to verse 12. I'm just going to read a chunk here. Verse 12. The same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. So anyone who speaks in tongues should, also, should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Well then, what shall I do? I'll pray in the Spirit, and I'll also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. 
For if you praise God only in the Spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you're saying? You'll be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. So here he's talking about people... Again, there's this private kind of prayer or singing he's talking about, but there's also this public time, and he's saying if you're going to do it in public without interpretation, it's just pointless because everyone's like, what is going on, right? And then jump down to 23 and then 27, 23. says, even so, if unbelievers or... This is so funny, eh? If unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting and hear everyone speaking an unknown language, they will think you are crazy, which I'm like, if people walked in and everyone's speaking, you'd be like, what a bunch of weirdos, run, run, right? That's like, yeah, that's a good point, Paul. Uh, And then 27 to 28. Uh, And this is where he's real structured, I love this, eh? No more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time, and someone must interpret what they say. He says that again and again, right? Verse 28, but if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting. And then this, this is interesting, and speak in tongues to God privately. I'll read that again because I interrupted it, sorry. But if no one is present who can interpret, these people who have the gift of tongues, right? If no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. So what he's meaning there is if someone had the gift of tongues and there's no one here with the gift to interpret, they're welcome to, to pray or sing, like he said, privately, just quietly. Um, but not distracting people and not out in public because there's no one to interpret. So, so I, think it, I think it's pretty clear. Eh? So um, again, this point, unless someone interprets it, the gift can make Christianity seem crazy to a non-Christian. All right, number four. Um, tongues are important, but prophecy's best, right? Um, he said this again and again and again, that prophecy is like, is more clear. Like I said, let me read just verse 18 and 19 because I've read those other ones already. Um, where are we? 18 and 19. Paul says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. And I love this, verse 19. But in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. Um, to me, real clear. So one of his points, and, and if you read through, and I had other verses, but just because of time. If you read through the chapter, he keeps, like I said at the beginning, it's like he goes, tongues is awesome, but because it has to be interpreted and it's an unknown language, I just wish we did prophecy. But tongues is really good, but I just wish prophecy. But tongues, it's like he bounces backwards and forwards through the whole chapter. So, so pretty, I think it's pretty, pretty clear. I'd encourage you, if you're like, what is going on? This is the first time I've really heard this. I'd encourage you just to read through 1 Corinthians 14. So it's, it's one of those real easy to understand chapters you go through and you can just see Paul kind of working through it quite logically. So pretty cool. Hey, so um, when I was researching, I was like, oh, what's a good summary to kind of bring all this together? So I found a cool website that just had like a summary of, um, of this whole gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. And it's one we've been using as we've been, uh, the different people have been preaching. So I thought I'd just jump through these points. Um, most of these we've already looked at the verses, so we'll kind of cruise through it. Um, so here we go. Not every believer receives this gift. The gift of tongues is not a requirement or a necessary sign of salvation. So I'll read First Corinthians, um, or is it 12.20, 12.30? So to me, this is kind of an obvious one, but I still yeah, chat to people in our church that are like, oh, is baptism an essential for salvation? I'm like, whoa, 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 it's always just faith in Jesus Christ. 
And I love what he says here, um, 1 Corinthians 12, 30. Do all have the gift of healing? Do all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? And his answer is, of course not. No, of course not. Um, so definitely not a requirement of salvation. Definitely not every believer is going to have that gift. It's kind of obvious all believers have different gifts, right? Um, so second thing, tongues can be human languages, such as those heard in Acts 2 but often maybe languages no one understands. So we've talked about that, right? So two kind of differences there, it's pretty clear. Next one, tongues are not, and I thought this was an interesting point, tongues are not a static speech, but are always orderly and able to be controlled by the one speaking. So we've looked up most of those verses, but I'll do um, 39 and 40. Thirty-nine and 40 says, So my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues but be sure that everything is done properly and in order. And this is one of Paul's points, right? It's real clear, um, real structured. You know, just before that, he said, if people are speaking in tongues, just like three at most, two or three, one at a time. It's real structured. I love the way he says that. So this is the only time I'm going to be rude to other churches, but I wanted to say this to just be really, really clear. So at CBC, we would never say, let's all speak in tongues at the same time. Now, some churches would do that, and that's awesome. We just don't, as an eldership, we just see the Bible totally not saying that, right? We see the Bible not saying that. Um, yeah, so we want to be careful. And, and the ecstatic speech, I was talking to someone this week, um, and they wanted, they speak in tongues again just for private worship, and to them, they were like, when I said that point, they were like, that's crazy. I would never feel out of control. That's never how God does it. God never takes over and turns you into a robot, and you can't control yourself, so... They were like, yeah, when I speak in tongues, it's very controlled. They thought that was crazy, so that's cool. Okay, a couple more little points. Um, no tongue should be spoken in the church gathering without interpretation. So we've made that. I've read tons of verses. That's pretty clear, right? And then the last one, tongue should not be forbidden. So he says that at the, at the very end. Okay, so this is the last little bit. Um, what could the gift of tongues look like at Agora? Um, so I wanted to finish real clearly, like, okay, so man, what do we do now? Where are we going? So I just had three real quick little points. Um, the first one is that as an eldership, um, we believe that it's totally fine for people to speak in tongues quietly when it's just them and God, right? And like Paul said, they might be praying in tongues, they might be singing in tongues, but it's real private. So it might be in their private devotions, their private worship at home. It might be here in church during um, the sung worship or something. But like Paul said, it can never be distracting, Right? has to be order and structured. So if someone was beside you and it's getting noisy and loud, then one of the elders would want to go and sit with that person and say, hey, let's look at 1 Corinthians 14. It's not how Paul says it. It's just between you and God. It's real quiet. It's not for other people. Um, so there certainly seems, well, not seems, there certainly is a place, Paul says it again and again, for people who want to pray in tongues, um, sing in tongues, just real quietly, but not out in public. Um, the second thing is that we'd rather see people use the gift of prophecy as it's such a clear message from God, right? So that's one of the things that Paul keeps saying. Tongues is good, but prophecy is way clearer, and he says in their teaching is way clearer. And so as an eldership, we're like, yeah, we totally get that. Tongues is quite a wild gift. We don't want to forbid it. We're not saying no, because Paul says not to. But we just see that one as like, whoa, this is huge, which is the next point, right? Um, if someone has the gift of speaking in tongues, then at this time we ask them not to use this gift in public until we've clearly identified people with a gift of interpretation, which is what Paul said again and again. But then this last bit's real important, and we've allowed more time for the Spirit to clarify this gift for us all. 
So if you've been a part of the church for ages, back, I don't know, five or six years ago, the church went through spiritual gifts then. And in there, there was a statement saying um, that basically all the gifts are for today. And they unpacked a lot of the gifts, and then there was a statement that said, um, I'm trying to remember exactly how it goes. Uh, it, I should have written it down, sorry. It says something like the, some of the other gifts, like um, healings, miracles, tongues, interpretation, and so on, are so we as a church agree with them, but they're so obvious you'd know if you have them. And so this has been something the church has kind of held to for, for ages. But what we're saying is an eldership for us now, really talking about tongues and interpretation of tongues, we just want to go real cautiously, right? We just want to allow the Spirit to guide us and keep clarifying this and, and be real careful. So we're not forbidding speaking in tongues because Paul says do not do that. But at the same time, we're just saying if you believe you have the gift of tongues and you want to speak out publicly, we're just saying can you not do that now? We just feel like as a church, we're just not ready for that. We're not there yet. And we want time as an eldership to keep praying, as a church to keep praying and just wrestling. What does this look like? The other side is we, we need to, and Paul says we have to, identify who has the gift of interpretation in the church. So until we figure out people that have got the gift of interpretation, we're not allowed to have tongues being spoken in public anyway, right? So hopefully that makes sense. Okay. Um, at the same time, excited about all these gifts, right? So this was the last of the real hard ones. So I know some people have been like, whew, some of these last healings, oh, miracles, oh, tongues, oh. So next week, mercy. And I'm just like, oh, thank you, Jesus. That's like a real easy one to preach on. These ones have been a lot of wrestling. Hey, Etu, let me um, pray for us, and then we're going to carry on singing worship. Um, just as you're standing, I, I just want to remind you of the gym illustration, right? And I think that's one of the biggest things in eldership we've just kept talking about, and I've been talking with different elders this week a bunch, is that we really want to make sure we're focusing on the core things, and these things, I think these things are essential, we need to know where we stand, but they're kind of out here, they're not the core of our faith, and we would hate as an eldership, we would hate to see any of these things bring disunity uh, to our community, right? So if you're concerned or you don't understand, just come and talk to one of the elders and be like, hey, how does this work? I'm confused or ah, I'm totally lost. Let's rip apart some verses together. So that'd be cool. We could have coffee here and Takash will make you a, I don't know. I was trying to think of a cool design that would fit with spiritual gifts, but no, I got nothing. All righty. Hey, let me pray and then we're going to carry on and sung worship together. Eh? Mm. Yeah, almighty God, thanks so much for your word. Uh, I, th I thank you so much how we can really dig into it and pull it apart. Um, thanks for, I think, how clear Paul is in, uh, well, 1 Corinthians 12, but also 1 Corinthians 14, that just so much discussion he puts in there about uh, the gift of tongues, God. It just, honestly, and like I've said, it just seems like kind of a weird, maybe wild gift. Why could, I mean, you could just do prophecy or through teaching you can communicate your truth, but for some reason you've said, no, there's also this way where someone could speak out in tongues and someone interprets. I'm just like, wow, it's just wild, God. Um, I pray unity uh, over our church, God. Um, I pray clarity of thought and openness of discussion uh, over our church, God. Um, yeah, we would hate to mess up the cool things you're doing here by getting caught up in minor issues, God. We want to focus on the main things. We want to see people saved from darkness brought into the kingdom of light, God. We want to see people build up and strengthened and encouraged in their faith. Um, I pray for the elders too here. Can you just give us real wisdom as we keep wrestling with this? What does this really look like in our church? Um, how would we see this play out? Uh, we, yeah, the last thing we want to do is go against you. Um, 
So keep guiding us, God. Keep directing us as we dig into your scriptures and, and wrestle with all this stuff, eh? Yeah. Yeah, I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.